Geordie Happiness Hero may contain mature themes and or language. Disclaimer, I am not a medical professional or mental health specialist. Please, if you're hurting, reach out for help. There is so much good and helpful advice to be found in podcasts from loved ones, etc., but there's no substitute for and no shame in seeking professional help. Also, trigger warning, this episode does talk about suicide. Hello and welcome to Jordy Happiness Hero. I am here with my good, good friend, Nixon, and thank you so much for being here, for agreeing to spend yeah. spend some time chatting with me tonight. Um, Nixon and I met when I was a freshman in college, and we became friends, if I remember correctly, instantly, and <laughs> yes. probably because my theory is that is because we both have very big personalities, but we also have even bigger hearts. Like we just, we saw each other and we sensed it, like our, our auras, if yeah. they exist, whatever we knew, <laughs> like that's my people right there. Um, we went on to work together as resident assistants for Idaho State University Housing. I actually have a picture somewhere oh. of when I found out that I'd been chosen as an RA and you were already an RA. You were my RA, I believe. And I have a picture of you just like, we were both freaking out and you were like hugging me so big. And it was, it was a very exciting moment. Um, this is after like a we, Yeah. After we did our stint as RAs at Idaho State University, we became roommates and we were roommates up until the point that I got married, which was right. way young and way early, but that, that's besides the point. Up <laughs> until that point, we were roommates. And so Nixon was there and saw me through some of my biggest dramas of my young, my adolescence, like my heartbreaks. Oh, the heartbreaks of college. Oh, you, yes. one of my greatest memories. This is like, okay, it's a great memory. It's also a very painful memory, but one of one of my vivid memories from college is getting my heart destroyed, like ripped out of my chest, destroyed, because I was very brokenhearted by a, per, a person. Right. And anyway, I had to come home in between classes to cry because I was so destroyed. <laughs> and at one point I was in my room, laying in my bed, just sobbing, and you and some of our other roommates came in the room and you didn't say one word to me. You just climbed on the bed with me and all of you just laid there. I don't even think you touched me. Oh. You didn't say a word, but you, everybody just laid in my bed as I sobbed, oh. like whole body sobbed. And it was a very tender moment. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that, but it's very vivid for me. Uh, you made the memory slideshow for my wedding. Oh my gosh. My wedding reception. You're really taking me back here, Jordan. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> wow. These are important things. Yeah. Um, and you held my babies as newborns. Yes. My, oh, my first baby and is now, now they're like full on adults. Yeah. 15 and wow. is finishing her first year of high school. She'll be a sophomore next year. Wow. And we share Nixon and I, one of my longest lasting friendships. And I consider Nixon, my family, like yeah. you are not just another person in my life you are my family right well so, it's, i think too our relationship is like one of those we don't see each other we haven't seen each other in person in years 
but it's always a relationship that means so much. So even with it's cliche, I guess, but it's that's the kind of relationship that I feel like we have is that you know it's been yeah. so long, but it's still and it doesn't close. matter. Like it's been years yeah. and years, but we're talking, right. and I don't feel like it's been years and years. No. So Nick, I need you to introduce yourself. Okay. Um, tell us a little bit more about you, because I always like to hear from you to introduce yourself. And then I want you to give us three random facts. They can be whatever you want to introduce yourself okay. to to my listeners. All right. So my name is Nixon Matthews. Um, I am currently living in Boise, Idaho, which has been an interesting move back to Idaho. So just a little context. I moved to Seattle six or seven years ago. Lived there very happily for about six years. Met my partner, who I'm currently just, we got married finally um, after three years of waiting because of COVID um, mm -hmm. for our wedding. So we got married um, here in Boise. Um, I work in advertising and also just a little bit of, I might be running for office. Just there's a, there's one kind of wild fact. Yeah. Uh, I'm running for I love office. That. So. I love that. Uh, That's another thing always since I've met you is you politically knew what you stood for and you knew like you had a stance there. And a lot of kids yeah. that were our age, like just starting out college only had stances that they'd like, you know, inherited from whatever they came from. And right. you and your family, like that you guys didn't care about being the black sheep in like tiny, tiny no. rural Idaho, giant, giant. Obama billboard and billboard tiny little Obama. yes, I and I always loved that. I always yeah. freaking loved that. But yeah, I think that's perfect that you are considering that. I fully yeah. support you. I'm not in Idaho anymore, but if I were there, <laughs> I support well, you from afar. Thank you. Well, you know, just when Riley and I we moved to Boise, when we we spent a lot of time talking about, you know. Is it the right thing for us? So for context, for your who's ever listening to this, you know, as a trans person, as a queer person in a queer relationship for moving to Idaho, moving to Seattle was a big part for me. It was when I first come out as trans and it was a place where I felt like I could go be safe and go learn about myself, express myself, find out more about myself. And so it was a home for that. And obviously that's where Riley and I got together and that relation in a relationship in and of itself has been so important for me to be able to just kind of experience what gender means to me. And so Seattle will always have like a really important place in my heart for that reason. So when we talked about moving to Boise, that was like a year long conversation, like Idaho, the politics in Idaho, yeah. really scary. Um, do we want to put ourselves into that situation? And so the conversation always centered around, okay, if we move to Idaho, we need to be involved. We need to try to make good change. And so that's been a focus for us. And this is one way that it feels like maybe we can do that thing. So, um, and this is a little tangent, but it's a little side note. And I don't know if you ever knew this, but when I was in college and I've always I've, writing has always been a very big part of who I am in high school. Right. I was a writer. I went to writer's camp. Like I college, I totally. got asked to go to writer's camps at other colleges and things like that. Like I've been a writer since I was very young and in college in my, some of my creative writing classes, we did a lot of focus on poetry. I've always had a mm -hmm. very fond place for poetry as a way to, I remember. yeah, 
let out my uh, human experience. And I wrote a poem when we were in college and I never told you that that poem was about you, but I wrote a poem about you because you were one of my most loved humans. And Mm -hmm. I wrote a poem about like, it was trying to be me trying to like interpret your experience or something, but it was about, Oh, I got to find this poem because it's probably one of the best poems I wrote in college, but it was about hiding. It was like, I'm hiding Um, here uh, behind your rib cage, like in the shadows of your rib cages, like, you know, beneath your heart, like like hiding, Mm. like, and it was a damn good poem. And in my creative writing class, like the other people in the class were like, this is about, like somebody who's queer like this is about somebody who is and they're like jordan like do you have somebody to tell us and i was like i don't have anything to tell anyone but like they didn't know what i was talking about but like they knew read like just hearing the poem and like and i thought it was like subtle and stuff but it was very obvious and it was a hundred percent a poem i wrote about you having to or feeling like you had to hide who you really were like hiding yourself and like yes it was well, I mean, that I was find so this much poem. of our time to, yeah, my, send it to me. I, I was like waiting for you to like be happy, bust it out, ready. bust it out and be like, oh, I hope I can find it because it's like, honestly, is one of the best poems I ever wrote. It may have gotten published. I have to look back and see. What? I, had a, I, had, yes. I had quite a few poems that got published when I was in college, but I, I have to look back and see. But again, oh. I never told anyone it was, I, I, I would, if they asked like, oh, it's about me. It's about me and my, like my secret or my unrequited love for so-and-so or so-and-so, but that's not what it was about from hundred percent from day you, one. That... So you, you knew before I ever came out where I felt that's how you, yeah. I mean, oh, I, I don't knew. think it was like so many, like, as soon as I came out, everybody was like, yeah. Yeah. Your yeah. parents knew like for a hundred percent sure. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. I knew, um, I probably knew like as soon as I, well, I'm mean, not the day that I met you obviously, but like as we hung out and we're like, but we were Sorry. in, oh, that's okay. They, those fur babies don't bother me. Okay. <laughs> but they're protecting, they're saving your life. You don't even know it. Yeah. 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 But I knew like as soon as we started hanging out and things like that. And I remember it was just because we had both you and I felt like we had to, you know, we had something to, we had to be something we had to, we were both trying to live yes. up to the same thing. You and I both, we in different ways, obviously, but we were both performing, you know, we were both whatever. And we were both very much living in shame and in this, you know, whatever, but yeah. But I knew, 100% knew. And I remember, like, people telling you, oh, you're just a mother hen. Can you remember this? Can you remember? Yes. Can you remember being told that? And I remember, oh it, like, goodness. I remember it rubbing me the wrong way, like, mm, like. <laughs> Gosh. You're like, you know, it's like, I hate to say this is, um, I, I don't want it to ever feel like I don't care about what the past is. There is a lot of my past, though. I don't think about like there's a lot of memories until somebody brings them up that I like they're gone because there's a lot of history unfortunately um that it's hard to look back on yeah. and like think that I was you know part of that and be able to see myself especially now like I've been out living as a trans uh, masculine person for a long time, I can many years, like at least close to a decade. Um, and so it's kind of an interesting thing to think about my past, but there's a lot of 
time, especially like late high school, college, early college years that are kind of hard to like see myself in. And so it it's so that's what's so like wild right now when you're like going through these memories and like things are coming back and always our relationship because you and I, you were like the person I could always talk to <laughs> and have a real conversation with and be honest and as open as I was ready to be. Yeah. Um, but there, that wasn't the case with a lot of the relationships. I don't have many relationships from that period of my life anymore. And that's hard. And I think a lot of that probably, and this is just like my observation, I obviously don't know, but I feel like that's trauma. Like that, it was a traumatizing right. way to live, yeah. like to be, you know, to go through. And then when we have, when we go through trauma like that, because there's so much, so many parts of my childhood, so many parts, like even early in my marriage, there's so much, there's so much that I either don't remember or don't think about because of the trauma. Like it's right. my right. body's protecting me from that. Like my, right. my psyche is protecting me. It's like a, it's a preservation, like self-preservation right. type it thing. Is. Totally. Totally. Yeah. That's yeah wild so the way i always start these episodes <laughs> these episodes that i'm trying to get out there the way i always start them <laughs> is with a quote of the day and i okay. found this one and the reason why this one spoke to me in this particular episode because this episode is going to be titled trans lives matter because trans lives matter like there's nothing else i could have <laughs> entitled it and the name of the series for pride month is love always wins because i i it came that one i thought of when Ooh. i did the very first interview for the pride month with the very young um a young queer guy queer man he and he is gay uh -huh. and he lives here and we met on set we were shooting a movie and we met on set and we became such good friends he was, i know weird huh he was so I young no that's awesome he's so he was young and he's sweet and i needed somebody young because i wanted a young perspective especially somebody who's growing up queer in the south and as we were talking right. about it that just was the theme that kept coming up was love and i was like this whole series his name's Andrew. This whole series, Andrew, is going to be called Love Always Wins because this is exactly, mm. he's so wise for his age and I'm so proud of him for everything that he is. But this, this uh, quote that I picked for you is from Laverne Cox, who I respect so love much. I love Laverne yep. Cox. And Laverne Cox, of course, rose to fame with their role on Orange is the New Black. And right. I loved loved orange is the new black for so many reasons because that was a freaking good show but i also love right. the fact that the characters who were playing queer roles were representing their actual demographic like i thought oh, that totally i thought that was it was like one of the first shows that had done that and like you know yeah i it was important it was important like mm -hmm. you can't have you know a cis whoever playing these roles and then say oh but you're important we want right. you to be seen you have it like yeah. it's much more important to have queer folks right. representing themselves, their own demographic, to show yes, yes, you're important. Yes, you should be seen. And Laverne Cox did that and did it yeah. like kick ass well too. By the yeah. way, like Laverne Cox love. is yes, I agree. love. Yeah. And anyways, this quote says it is revolutionary for any trans person to choose to be seen and visible in a world that tells us we should not exist. 
Yeah. It's like That's you're a... talking about running for office because you're revolutionary because you're choosing <laughs> to be seen and well, visible in a world that tells you you should not exist. Yeah, I mean, like in that, uh, I think that quote was, that's a quote that she's like from a while back. That's not really, I don't think, a recent. If I, if memory is reminding me of what <laughs> timeline, time, I don't have the exact timeline, but it's not a super recent quote. And I think that it hits harder now, like what's happening now. Um, yeah. I mean, literally minutes before I came onto this scrolling through Twitter, which I like at some point just need to get off of Twitter, but just seeing um, people are so comfortable saying horrible things. One about a community that is very small acting as if we're changing, making we have any kind of control or power. Um, and to just openly being so hateful and harmful uh, it's really upsetting. And so it is, it does feel like that. It feels like existing, which, you know, if you talk a lot of trans people, the reality is, is we just kind of want to exist. Like, I'm like, kinda, I'm not really like the most exciting person. <laughs> I come home after work and I watch TV and we have dinner. And like, we talk about what plants we want to grow in the <laughs> garden. Like, you know, we, I have a literal calendar reminder of when to turn the mattress. Yeah. Uh, you know, in our bed, like that's, you know, we're just trying to exist and live our best life and find happiness. Like every and, other human. But if you would, <laughs> like any other human, and um, and if you, if people are to believe that we're out here, we're pedophiles and we're groomers and we're causing all of this like harm, and it's really heartbreaking and terrifying. And um, oh, it makes me it, so mad. It makes me so mad. And like, what was hard about that is I was getting involved and I was going to community events because we'd go to, we'd have like a community event and then we'd go to like, to the actual legislative session where they were doing a hearing for these bills. And then some people would get up and testify. And um, I, in those times, I got to meet children, like trans youth. And I got to meet the parents, especially like the moms of these trans kids. And as I got to know these people and have a relationships with them you know it's heartbreaking one you see these kids who are just so happy they talk about how their life has changed how they feel lighter how they feel confident and they're meeting each other and they're so excited and they're talking about you know gender affirming care and what a difference and like they're just like full of light and then you talk to these parents who um you know they're this isn't an easy that's i think the other thing that is like misrepresented. These are uh, talking to these parents who are like, this has been challenging. Yeah. They support their kids. They love their kids. They're, they are affirming their children, but it's not an easy situation. Yeah. They're having a lot of conversations. They're having conversations with their kids. They're having conversation with therapists, with their doctors, all of these things. And yet here they are supporting their kids. And so it's just like, it's like, it lifts me up to like, that's so cheesy to say, but it like is very like joyful to see the happiness of these kids. And then it breaks me, my heart, <laughs> listening to these parents now, like having text conversations, having conversations with these parents who are like, I'm walking around my house and all I can think about is in January, are we going to have to uproot our entire family and move out of the state? <sighs> and it's just for existing. <sighs> And it's purely for existing. I, I hate to even because it's painful for me to like share this, but 
as a teacher in Idaho, I saw some horrible oh, yeah. over the I years. And imagine. like you've probably seen the statistics for suicides in Idaho uh, right. with this demographic and even in Pocatello where we went to school and where I used to live. Um, I personally knew one of these kiddos, Mike. Yeah. Um, I did theater with them. I I always knew again, like I always knew, but I always knew from the first time I met this kiddo, you know, that they weren't who they were having to pretend to be. Again, the hiding behind the ribs, right. hiding underneath your heart, right, and the shadows. Right. And it was so painful. Why? Well, and I didn't yeah. I'd not I didn't even know them that well. Like I had done, you know, I knew I knew them, I knew their family, I knew their and then the aftermath after this sweet kiddo yeah. took their life. The aftermath was even more painful watching like the lashing out on every side and like and I was in this horrible and I was watching from yeah. afar because I wasn't there. I was here in North Carolina, but right. just trying to figure out what what my role is and what I should do. And I, and I came to the ultimate conclusion that all I can do is love. All I can give in this situation is love because I cannot change anyone. I cannot change the situation. Like it's past that. It's right. in the past now. Um, all I can right. do is like, I can't jump in and the anger and the hate and the vitriol that's surrounding this. I just got to love. And right. yeah, when I went home for Christmas or, you know, holidays, when I went home, back to Idaho with my family, uh, we I went to my little nieces and nephews invited me to come to a nativity thing. And I am not religious in any by any means anymore. But if my little nieces and nephews invite me to come watch them do something, I'm I'm right. gonna be there. And so I go. Yeah. And as when I walked in the room, like as soon as I walked in the room, the very first person who saw me and like came up to me and gave me the biggest hug was the mother of this oh. sweet kiddo. And I know that, uh, like, I don't know, like, I don't even want to bring into question the parenting choices or anything like that, because I know the anguish and I know, like, oh yeah, nothing I'm going to say is going to make that person less, right. it's just going to add pain. Like, well, I'm not going to add more pain. Like, right. what's done is done, you know, but it's but what we can do is make this world a safer place and a kinder yes. place for all the other kids yes. so that they don't get into a situation like that where they feel like I have nowhere to exist. I'm hiding in the shadows and yes. I have nowhere to exist. I think that um, it's really important for youth to know because they're, you know, here, the reality is I don't actually believe this is not a majority that is spreading this hate. No. This is a louder minority that is doing this. They've just gotten really good at screaming and screaming and screaming. Yep. Um, and the thing that I think is so important is just remembering, like, you know, obviously there's things that we can all do. We can be calling our legislators. We can absolutely 100% be voting. Um, we can be, like, writing letters, writing in opinion to, opinions to the editorial, just, like, doing everything that we can to making sure that the community, one, knows that there are people who are allies, who are standing with them, um, standing with us. And then, you know, that spread love, like, Jordan, I think that's so important. Like, these kids just need to know that there's people who are in their corner um, because it's so interesting, this conversation and around suicide which is a terrible horrible thing and it is something that is 
really impactful in the queer community, especially within the trans community, especially within the young trans, especially within trans young trans people of color. Like you can just continue to yeah. go down the line here, but um, it's um, the onus is on the people who are causing the harm. And I think it's, I, I have, a, this is a real, like, a sensitive spot for me because there's this whole thing like, oh, young trans people or trans people are just, they're so depressed and so anxious and they want to try to blame it on transness. Transness is joyful. Being a trans person is empowering. You get to look at the world in an entirely different way and make a decision for yourself that brings your body and your mind into alignment, regardless of whether you choose to get any like actual medical gender affirming care or not, you're still bringing something into alignment and that's harmonious and that is positive and it is powerful. And I think that it's like, we've kind of gotten into this place where, you know, oh, tra yeah, like trans people, oh, being trans, it's like a sad thing. I'm not saying everybody, not everybody feels that way, but just being very clear, being trans is powerful and joyful and good and why there is depression and anxiety. Obviously, there's some mental health issues that anybody in any demographic <laughs> struggles with, but by and large, the issues that trans people face is at the hands of people who are screaming and passing legislation and discriminating and harming and that's where so much of that comes from. And they have to own it. Like, they, they won't, but it's theirs to own. And no, why can't I, we focus so just angry. some of that energy on what we can do to make the world better for everybody? Like, the whole population, everybody, instead of focusing so much hate and anger on this tiny demographic, you know? What if we approach things with right. love instead of... Oh, wild. Yeah. That's a wild thought, Jordan. The world, why? I mean, it makes sense to me. I don't understand how people think, but so yeah. what, Nixon, was the most challenging part of growing up as a queer youth in rural Idaho? Oh, my goodness. One, at, like, access to information. Uh, so I knew ever since I was little, I was different. I mean, I knew before I knew my parents loved to tell, like, they tell the story of, like, when I was, like, really little, they try to put me in a dress and I'd lose my mind. <laughs> like, anything that was feminine or girly, I was like, hell no. Take, like, keep it away from me. And that's not everybody's experience. That's just, like, a little caveat before I keep going. Every person's experience, every queer person, every trans person experience is so unique and different. So this is my personal experience. But, um... You know, so it's like my mind, my body knew before I knew if that makes any sense. And part of that is like access to information. I remember when I was probably like, I can't, I don't know how old I was, but I was young, like, and this is going to age me, but we had the encyclopedias. This is like pre-computer. <laughs> and we had the whole set of like the encyclopedias and I like page through and I found the word gay and I'm like sitting in the living room. And I'm like trying to cover it because I don't <laughs> want anybody to like possibly know that I'm looking at the word gay because uh, I was trying to find any kind of information. And I grew up in a town of 250 people that was very conservative. It was very religious. Um, and so the only thing I knew about queer people, there was nothing about being trans. And the only thing I knew about being queer was that it was bad. Yeah. Like it was gross or it was, you know, a Simple, sin. Yeah. 
And so that was, that was, you know, my parents, I have amazing parents. They are so supportive. They allowed me to express myself most of my like childhood, um, where it started to get harder because they allowed me to like cut your hair short. No problem. Wear boys clothes. No problem. You know, I just, I took hunter safety. I like was totally living. Like I was a little boy. Cause my parents, they just let me, they loved me. They supported me, even though we didn't have language to it. Um, but then as I got older and I started getting teased and bullied, they encouraged me to grow my hair out and it was a full preservation moment. They were, they just wanted me to be happy and safe and like, feel like I was included. Um, and that, you know, and then once you get into junior high, holy shit, everything is horrible. And when you're different, it's even worse. Um, and so I, I really tried to start fitting in and I changed the way that I dress and changed the way that I talked and started liking the things that I was supposed to like. And I was depressed as I was, I hated myself. I don't, I just had this constant stream of negative self-talk going through my mind, um, because I was so confused. I felt so out of place and out of body and, uh, I was like falling in love with some of my closest friends, you know, like teenage love, but you know, still I'd have these crushes on some of my classmates and then I would feel horrible and gross. So it's a lot when you have no way to express yourself or get information. It was hard. It was really depressing. And I was always full of anxiety. Uh, I I hate that you had to go through that. And it's, I hate that you had to experience that, but I hate even more that so many kids like this is not like a unique story especially if you come from like our kind of uh upbringing and stuff my daughter my youngest daughter i was just four years old four years old she came to us and was like her sisters are playing princesses or something like that and they're and the oldest is like okay now who's gonna be your husband or i don't know what she said but my four-year-old's like mom i don't want a husband i go that's fine and she goes she goes I don't like boys. I like girls. And I go, okay, whatever. And I didn't, I didn't wow. play much on it. Yeah. I didn't, I mean, I didn't put a lot of attention right. to it, but I, I mean, I kind of internalized, it. I remembered, and, but I, and I didn't draw a lot of attention. I mean, I, it is what it is, whatever. Well, come a few years later, she was in, I don't know, she's just finishing fourth grade. So it was either, either second or third grade. My sweet little nanny Fanny, she gets a crush. She gets a crush on a girl at school. And because she uh-huh. has no reason to question anything or to like feel right, a self-conscious, she starts talking about it. Like she tells everything. Like she's that. she's very open about it. And then like she starts educating. This is where we got in trouble. She starts educating her classmates on like, well, this is what bisexual means, and this is what da 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 means, and da da. So she's like the terminology and everything. We'd even given her a coloring book that was the Husband in Law podcast, which is a fantastic podcast. But they had made a coloring book in honor of pride month that had like all the different terminology for like kids and stuff and like what different definitions were and things. And she, she loves that coloring book still. Love that. And, but we got called into the school. (laughs) My husband and I got called into the school and I can remember sitting in a meeting with the principal and with the teacher. And I don't even think they let the kids be there or anything like that, but they're like, so this is what's going on. Uh, she's, she's, you know, using these words and she's explaining these things. And like, I'm just, I'm sitting there and I'm listening. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then like, once, once I get done talking, I was like, 
what reaction are you wanting from me right now? Like, what exactly is it that you want from me? Like, do you want me to shame her? Like, do you want me to shame my daughter for being who she is? Like, maybe I'll talk to her about like how these kids are offended by these things and like their parents don't want them to know it. Like, maybe I'll tell her that. What a harder conversation to have. We're (sighs) talking about what's like explaining that. Sorry to interrupt you. I just like, that is such a perfect example of like, like look at this color book and it's like, oh, I learned about these terms that just like talk about how people feel and like no problem. And she's still because you were accepting and just like whatever. I was never any for and she's still figuring it out. And she ended she cut her hair. Uh first she just cut it super, super short. And she she like felt like she was rocking it. She was so confident, but people were like, (laughs) it was causing problems because she had this really short hair. And then during at some point during COVID, she decided she was going to shave it, and she shaved her whole head. I was not home. Core shaved her head when I was not there, and I probably would have let him anyways. But like, I came <laughs> home and I was like, "Oh man, that's a big jump." And my worry, on, <laughs> my only worry the whole time was like, "Oh, she's going to get teased." Lo and behold, she got teased, and she kept getting called a boy, yeah. a boy, a boy all the time. And even though she her whole life had been so confident and so okay, like now it really is, as she got older and older, it's starting to bug her and bug right. her and bug her. And so it's been hard because now it's definitely different. She's definitely more, especially now that we live in the South, like people right. here are much more uh, yeah. like openly, like we were at the pool, we have a pool like for our whole neighborhood or whatever. And we were at the pool last night and some of the hate coming out of the mouths of those hey. babies. I was like, are you kidding me? There's a big giant sign that's like couple of them say no profanity allowed. And I'm like, that is ironic because you're not allowed to say right. profane things, but you're allowed to say horrible, hateful, disgusting things. Right. right. It was weird. Well, Jordan, I, that's, I'm so sorry. And that's such a shitty thing, but, I'll say this, like, from my own personal experience, like, even though we didn't have the language, being trans was not something I understood. My parents certainly didn't understand it. It was not something we got, but they always loved and supported me. And again, when I was young, they just let me be who Mm -hmm. I was. And it was when things changed, you know, when they were trying to encourage, like, I can look back at that and be like, yeah, they just wanted me to be happy and included. But still, regardless, all of it. My parents have always loved and supported my identity and who I am and my expression. And when they became concerned was actually when I joined the Mormon church. And that was, I remember that too. That was a moment. (laughs) That was a moment. Um, But that was, I, you know, I can look back and understand now because they always knew knew who who you were. Yeah. And and that love had made all the difference. So just the point I'm making is like you, like affirming your children and unconditionally loving your children they're going to have struggles obviously um and unfortunately struggles around being queer or exploring identity but you and core giving unconditional love and not making a big thing of things and just being supportive and caring will make all the difference it has made all the difference for me kids who are going through this it makes such a massive difference to have love at home and it's really sad that some kids don't have that so sad and that's another reason why like as a teacher or as as an adult you know my kids friends things like that i want them all to know my students my kids friends any any of them like i am a safe person i am a safe person i want them to know that because they need a safe adult they need somebody who will love them accept them not 
not in spite of who they are. Just love them and accept them. Like there's no, yes. there's no ca- caveats here. They're children. Yeah. Like that's all like, that's what they need. And that's what they like need for confidence and for care. And so I respect that. And I think you're probably making a bigger difference than you even recognize. Um, oh. People remember people like that. Yes. So I had a question talking about your childhood and looking back, what dreams from your childhood have come true? Like what dreams did you have then that came true? And like, did they come true in the ways you expected or? Uh, I'm just laughing because like, I literally would lay in my bed and just like, I was my as hard as I could. And like, I just thought if I like focused hard enough that maybe I could wake up a boy. Okay, this is before I knew. So I'm laughing because, like, I get to express my identity in a way. And, like, that has changed. Like, how I thought of being a guy when I first started transitioning to how I feel about it now has all evolved. But still, like, little like, like little kid me at that time could see me now. I just think that would be kind of wild like, for that experience. So I think that the dreams that I had as a kid, you know, I, I dreamt about being an MLB baseball player that really did not work out. I'm not (laughs) athletic at all. (laughs) Terrible. I got like the personality of the year award in basketball. So (laughs) clearly, um, (laughs) but you're still probably a lot better than me. I was the kid on the team that everyone's like, not quite sure why you're here, but you're really nice. So I I was friends with all the other teams. I think we were probably the same. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We would have probably had the best time together if we would have been on the same team together. Oh, um, Probably a way better one, <laughs> way, way better time. I I th- I think that for me, like I want it. I do remember wanting to be loved and like finding love, and that was a you know something that was really in question for me. Once I got older to understand who I was, especially once I joined the church, like the Mormon church, I like all of those, all of that for a lot of my life was really in question of whether that was actually going to happen to find somebody that I loved and can feel love. Yeah. And I, I, and I have that with the most incredible person. Like Riley is truly one of like, she is the best person I've ever met. Aww. She's like my best friend. And, um, it, you know, it was funny in our vows when we had our wedding and our vows, we talked about, um, both of us, we never shared our vows beforehand. And as we're reading to the, each other, we have, we both had like basically the same line at one point, And it was something like, uh, this ability to evolve. Like I will always make space for you to be able to evolve and to change it and to grow. Yeah. And that was something for both of us. We'd never talked about, but it's always been something that's really the core of our relationship. And um, we both felt like we can do that. And oh. it's really powerful to have a relationship where you feel that way and you feel like you can have that. And so that I think, and then now we get to do all like the fun, fun stuff, but also all the boring stuff. And yeah. it's great. And you have your best friend that you get to like do these things with. And so I think that that's probably, it was a, a dream I never thought was going to be possible yeah. for a lot of reasons. And I had it and it's wonderful. And I feel very lucky. Oh. Well, I love that. And I love that you have that. And I feel like that's a very mature uh, relationship. Um, like that's what, those are the relationships that last, not the ones that are like, ooh, fiery passion, da, 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 because that, that won't stay forever. You know, that comes and goes, right. that changes. But 
when you like really yeah. love each other and respect each other's human beings and you leave space to evolve together like that's a very important thing and that's very telling i think of a strong relationship i love that and i've never met riley in person that makes me Thank so you. sad i need to we need to have that we need to correct this soon, come out hopefully. to the beach yes yes all right nick how have you defied odds and expectations that is a big question how do I, how have i defied odds and expectations i mean i i think but the easy i don't know that's a great question jordan and i think that you know looking back on like my history i think i've just always kind of defied expectations always like my life makes no sense if you looked at it like the hist history of what my experience was where I went to college and I changed majors 10,000 <laughs> times I ended up in school for nine years um because I went to four schools and I had three yeah. different majors which was not <laughs> smart by the way uh our go like joining the Mormon church serving a mission coming home coming out as a lesbian and then later coming out as trans i if uh, the best way that i could put it is like i just have constantly anybody outside looking at that life like my parents i'm sure i gave them a lot of great hairs i'm sure people who knew me in the past is like what the hell are you doing with your life but it was just like a, it was more about trying to find myself through it all and trying to figure it out and so i guess it's like defying my own expectations was just this is such a bad answer i i just don't know i i just think it was just like constantly searching for my authenticity and so um coming out on it you know journey still going obviously but i i have found um, myself and that that's a big deal and it took a weird long winding wild yeah. path to get to this point um but i'm so grateful for it because i met wonderful people along the way i have learned a hell of a lot about myself through this process um and it's just like all of these things have kind of helped define who i am and what i care about and the empathy that i have and the experiences that i, have. I feel so, like uh weird well i feel path. like there's a lot there are a lot of people who are so stuck on meeting expectations that they will never find themselves. I feel like I'm still finding myself right. and it's, you know, taken 37 years and I'm still working on it. Um, it's a process the whole reason, for everything. The whole reason probably. I go by Jordy on my podcast and it's Jordy happiness hero. And I've never even said this on the podcast before is because it's like a nod to my inner child. It's a nod to Jordy, like little Jordy right. and, you know, kind of getting back to that and figuring out helping that. her figure out who she is and helping her like learn to love that right. little side of me that went through all kinds of stuff. Right. I love that. And I think that there is a thing about us as kids that we're so unassuming, like we're just honest. Like when you're are small, it's just like you're going like some kids go through horrible, terrible things, but like there's like a part of you that's just like you're you, you don't know what you don't know. So you're not trying to fit any certain circumstances and you have this moment of like truthfulness and who you are. And it is, there is like, I feel that too, I guess. I don't know if anybody else feels this, but I agree with you. I feel that too, because there's certain things when I think back about when I was young before it got hard, 
and expectations came in, I was just like living my life. <laughs> that ignorance, so. bliss or whatever, you just don't know you have a bad till you yeah. look back and you're like, whoo, because I had a rough, like my, my yeah. stuff was rough right. and I went through some yeah. terror, but like all the way through it though, if you talked to little Jordy up until, I don't know, well, high school is when I started like going to church and things like that, but it, maybe middle school, if right. you talked to Jordy up until middle school, who'd already gone through so much, who's, who'd already like had some deep trauma, um, like if you talk right. to her though, she'd be like, I'm gonna be a movie star. I'm gonna I'm gonna like be an author. I'm gonna rule this right. world. I'm gonna be a mother and I'm gonna be a good mother. Like, like I'm gonna be so in love and like right. and she it was just like big personality, big, big personality. <laughs> you are the biggest personality I think maybe <laughs> I've ever met. I love it. <laughs> well, it's funny. Well, and I trap I kept that personality um pushed down for a very, very long time too. Not because, not for the same reasons, you know, yeah. um, but just because like, I felt like that inner monologue, because my inner monologue was insanely mean as well, but that inner monologue, you're too much, yeah. you're too much. And some of that came from people telling yeah. me that I was, and I did, I heard it several times right. I, and I got told when I was in college, like, you are not a 10, you never will be a 10. You need to like, you need to, you know, and I was like, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, there's many things that I was told that deeply impacted me yeah. that yeah. led me to make choices. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for where I am. I'm happy for my life and stuff like that. But all of that suppressing who I was and that, that little Jordy in me suppressing it for so long and ended up with me in the hospital, yes. me being one of the people that's like, I can't live anymore, you know? Mm. And so right, like, right. there's some people who know me now or who who knew me from like maybe my mid twenties on that would have no idea who that Jordy right. is. Like the Jordy you knew, they, they wouldn't even know that Jordy right. exists, <laughs> you know? Wow. Yeah. Right. And it is kind of wild how, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm like on the end of recovering from COVID. So my voice might sound maybe a little <laughs> deeper. I don't know. School. Uh, but uh <laughs> um yeah it is it's it's kind of wild to think about how much we will shape ourselves depending on our circumstances the people that are around because of all the shit that we hear um that's put on us that we internalize and hold on for forever for years like it takes intensive work to get through some of that stuff and i think it's a lifetime um to do that but it is uh, it's unfortunate that we can't just always be our authentic self, that we can't just put ourselves out there and that we have to change ourselves depending on who yeah. our audience is. Um, and that, and that puts so much pressure and it, you know, it breaks yes. your body down. Honestly. When I was in high school, I would take it and be like, screw you. I'll show you like I can, cause everybody thought that I, and treated me like I was like a promiscuous and like naughty and I was the biggest prude you've ever met but they treated me so terribly and I had like this old lady at church stick her hand clear up my skirt like clear up to like the uncomfortable level and she goes oh. just so you know everyone in here can see up to here and it was like a skirt that was past my knees and stuff and like young me didn't know how to react to that you know oh, that's just one I have so many stories I'm I'm and so then I would internalize oh, like know. things like that, I'm like sure that's I'm, only one I'm of a many. bad person who I'm I need to like perform better or whatever. But also I'd be like, well, I'll show you, like, I'll be the most prude person you've ever yeah. met. You think I'm 
you think I'm promiscuous? I'll sh- I'm way better than right. all these other kids. But like at some point, um, I had a teacher in high school, a male teacher, tell me that like, don't do public speaking. You are not charismatic. And like, I think his his telling me this kind of stuff was like telling me I wasn't like good looking enough to do public speaking. I don't know what he was telling me. But like, instead of like, and I, I mean, I internalized a little bit, but instead of like turning around and like, just feeling damaged at the moment, I was like, hell no, I'll show you who's charismatic. And I went on to BPA because I was an FFA. I went to BPA and I was like, make me a public speaker. And right. like the very first competition I went to, I qualified for state, went to state one state, went to nationals, yeah. got fifth at nationals. Yeah. And I was like, F you, F you teacher who told me I wasn't charismatic <laughs> right. enough to do public speaking. <laughs> That is like, that is like, what is that? Don't like Jordan. That's, I, but, but but I, was like, I got to the point, you, Nick, when I completely squashed that Jordan, when yeah. that person, no, that Jordan never, no right. longer existed. I stopped listening to whatever that, that little Jordy inside me telling me like, prove them wrong. Like there was, there was a great right. part of me that just like stopped and like pushed her aside. And that's why now I have to be like, let right. little Jordy out, let Jordy yes, that's in absolutely. there. Um, And I kept like people even Corey's like, oh, you're an introvert. And I was like, I'm being told I'm an introvert now? Like, my whole damn life, I thought I was an extrovert. Like, am I? Like, what am I? Uh, but an extra, I told him, no, Cor, I'm not an introvert. I'm an extrovert with, like, crippling anxiety. Well, that's what I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you know, Jordan, you're like one of the best people oh. I've ever met. So I'm so glad that you're like going through this journey because you are. You've always been 100% loving. You've always been like, you were always 100% present when anybody oh. needed you. You just were there and you were, you know, and that's a hard position to be in because oftentimes when you become that person for people and you did that, I mean, I remember in our house, you were like that. And that can be a hard position to be in because it means also then you're not taking care of yourself because you're like putting your energy yes. into everybody else. And so, you know, I love you for the person that you are, but I'm also so happy that you're on Rediscovery, this like, like, journey to you know, find myself, rediscover yourself. It's so important. All yeah. right. So I think a really important question we can't skirt around that we have to get out before we run out of time yeah. is that what needs to change to make this world a safer, friendlier place for trans humans, especially for trans youth. Like, honestly, we need to get representation in our government. Um, I have Vote historically spent. <laughs> I have historically like thought, you know, Congress, national government, presidential election is where the most important thing, but it's really local. Like, that's important, too. Obviously, we need to be voting for who, you know, our national representatives are, our president is, because that can be incredibly damaged. We know. We've seen it happen with this fucking terrible oh, okay. pre- Sorry. Am I okay? So, you can okay. throw it out. Okay. Ter- pre- last president that we had. Okay. Um, but local government and local politics and local organizations is really where you're going to make a change and have the biggest impact. And so whether that's running for office, especially for people who are underrepresented in office, who can help make change at the state level, that's city council, that's especially school boards, like being running for school boards, being part of those, running for library boards, like 
you know, anything where you can be involved in your community where they're trying to get rid of books that have representation. They're trying to tell teachers, you can't act like this. These are ways to be involved. And so voting or running in those elections, like do not overlook local elections. They're so important. And then getting involved in local organizations, because what's going to make the biggest change, this is a yes. long game. This isn't, we're not making a change next month. We're not by the end of pride month. We're not going to be like, look, we fixed yes. everything. This is a long game. Trans people, trans kids deserve to grow up and to grow old. And if that is the opportunity for them, they will go out into the world and they will make yes. change. Because we're seeing, we're seeing more and more young people being engaged and saying, what do they have to lose? We're looking at horrible climate change. We're looking at, you know, all of these massive issues that young people are coming into. And they're like, that's not the future I want for myself. And so we need to do our part now. We need to like show love and support, vote in our local elections, run for office, and make sure that these kids have that opportunity to make that change. But we have to do our part too. So keep showing love, keep showing support, um, and 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 vote in your yes. local elections. Yes. So so good. So, but there's just so much. If these kids, they will change the world. All of these kids, these kids, I mean, not even just trans or queer kids, like I'm amazed. And I, I, I think, I believe it's because what is their future that they, they, they are so much more aware of whatever. And I was a, like more of an aware young person growing up, but they are so much more aware and they're having to fight for things. I mean, like they're dealing with active drill shows so bad. Like what the hell is oh. that? Like, this is not the, this is not the life that they want. And they're like, what the hell have you given to me? And so I, there was a long time, Jordan. And it was like when Trump was president and like shortly thereafter, I had lost hope. I was like, that's it. Our country's done. World's done. Like, let's just live the best that we can. And then I start to see these young people who, um, and hearing them talk and hearing them show up and fight. And I'm like, okay. Not that it shouldn't, it shouldn't have to be all on them, but I'm hearing them and I'm like, okay, things yes. can change. There is hope. Idaho had the largest, think about this, Idaho, super, super conservative. Democrats are in a super minority here. Idaho had the largest by far young person voter registration in the country. 66% increase in voter registration among young people to the point that these hateful assholes passed a bill that wouldn't allow students to use their student ID to register. Isn't that like, how is that even legal? Like it isn't, it's unconstitutional. They're, they're actually suing the state of Idaho because we have an amendment that protects from a poll tax that it's accessible, you know, so voting is accessible to all people. How could that even be legal? Like this, it, it isn't, it is unconstitutional and, but you're seeing it happen all over the country where they're trying to, I mean, one of the presidential candidates right now is saying we should raise the voting age to 21 because they're all terrified. They're all terrified that these young people have nothing to lose and they're going to vote them good. all out of office. And that gives me term limits, term limits. <laughs> right. Uh, Jesus. 
very good food for thought. And I, we just, we need a kinder, more loving world. And the voices and that are the loudest are the most hateful right now, but we can raise our voices in love and love always wins. Yes. Like if we play that long game, love always yes. wins. I think it does. Yes. Well, and I think um, this, this is yes. And I'm going to say this. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this going around right now, but I think it's something that is really important is like there somebody tweeted out now it's making the rounds, right? Uh, it was like, um, love always wins. Yes. I'm, I'm totally butchering this. Love always wins. Yes. But also we need to recognize that right now people are like fighting for their lives. Trans people are fighting for their lives. <sighs> um, and so, and so that's, that's what we have to recognize trans people are literally fighting for their right to exist they're passing laws that are stripping us away of our identity saying you don't exist think about like that is heavy shit to think about they're passing laws that make it illegal for you to be in the bathroom to be illegal to get affirming care i might live in a state where that will pass a law that says i cannot any longer have my health care. So, so trans people right now are literally fighting for their lives. So love always wins. And also we need to fight like, because people are fighting yes, for their lives. Yes, and that 100% goes back to the quote we started with. It's revolutionary for any trans person to choose to be seen and visible in a world that tells us we should not exist. Like, and it should yes. not be that way. Ugh, I know, Laverne. Laverne. No. All right. So we have, you know, little, little time left in the last minute or so. If you had the attention of the whole world, we hope the whole world will listen to my podcast. I don't, that's little, I hope the whole little Jordy, little Jordy's like, hey, the whole world's listening. Like, <laughs> that's why I keep doing it every week. But if I you have it. the attention of the whole world for the last couple minutes, what are the three main takeaways from our conversation? You need them to to grasp number one just the last thing that i said trans people are fighting for their lives right now trans people are just normal people who are trying to live i literally have a calendar thing that says turn your mattress we're not some big scheming thing trying to groom children we're not pedophiles we are human beings and then vote in your local elections run for office Vote in your local elections. It's how we're going to make change. And, and locally is where trans people are going to feel the biggest change. Queer people are going to feel the biggest change. Um, so those are the three things, awesome. I think, from everything. There's, There's so many things. things. But those are perfect things. And honestly, yeah. like, the running for office and, like, I, I always vote. I vote every single time I have a chance to vote. That's something I've always done. I've always been... Right you know, very respectful of that privilege and of that, how important that is. But I just had never thought about like, we do need people who are brave enough to run, to run and to, you know, right. And to stand up and. So can I leave one more yeah. thought on that too? So I've been talking to organizations like run for something, which is an organization. It's a national organization. They do a lot of training that is specifically to help progressives get into office. And one of the things I do really well is say, you know what? We had Trump as president. Anybody can run for office. Anybody is qualified for office. I think a lot of people are like, well, I'm not qualified. No, if you care, 
and you're passionate and you want good change in your community, you are qualified. You are more qualified than somebody who was our president. So like just something to keep in mind. I've spent years putting like political leaders on like this pedestal. Like I could never be, I'm not qualified. No, you're qualified. So <laughs> anybody if who listens anything, to if this politics, is like, I'm not qualified. Yeah, if you follow politics at all. If you care and you're passionate and you want good change in your community, you're qualified, period. Yes. One process. Yes, and it's just good to have as many voices out there as we can, too. And cha especially need, challenging, yeah. representation. Challenging incumbents and challenging, yep. you know, what's always been or whatever. It just so it's just so... Yes. I mean, hopefully they'll win, but even if they don't win, people will see. It yes. makes a world of difference. If this is what makes the change, I'm I I'm very well may not win, but I do believe trans people will see somebody running to fight for them, and I think that that will be change. One hundred percent. Do you have I like hope. a GoFundMe or something to? Let, how are you? How are you going to raise funds for your? I will be. I haven't. Oh, I haven't officially like launched, but I will be and uh I'm in the very early stages. So when I'd be running is in twenty twenty four, it's like almost two years out technically by the time I my general election would happen. So it's a minute yep. out. People can watch but for you. Getting started now. Nixon Matthews. Yeah, people can watch for me. Nixon Yes, for watch for <laughs> it. And I will be sending over a nice check for you for your to your campaign once you get to that point. Oh, You're thank welcome. you, Jordan. All right. Thank you so much for being on. The last thing I always do every episode, and my daughters told me I can't call it a ritual because that's creepy. <laughs> but my tradition, <laughs> they, they keep me in line. They're they're so amazing. You got to come out and spend some time with these 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 humans that are yes, they kick ass. They're so good. But I always have everybody put their hands on their chest. Your heart somewhere in there. It's like down here somewhere. I don't know. And repeat after me. I matter. Okay. I matter. I am loved. I am. Loved. I am enough. I am enough. Jordan, I love it. It is cheesy and it is important. It's cheesy, but it's good cheesy. That's what I mean. It's it's important to be able to say yes. those to yourself. And I want so. to remind everybody who listens every single time they listen. So go out there, do those things that will help make your world a safer, more friendly, more loving place for everyone in it, not just for one demographic of people. And just open your hearts, yep. be loving, be be kind. Thank yeah. you so much, Nick. I love Get it. out here and visit and bring Thank Riley you, and let's go to the beach. Right, like thanks, Nick. Plan.